What did you hear that Devin Booker had a plus minus of like 37 last night? He had 48 points and 11 assists and 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And if you haven't got the message that your trading percentages are incredibly exclusive for a player of his usage rating, I'll continue conversating while the suns are escalating. One day they'll be jumping on that podium and celebrating. So the panel guys, they love to analyze the suns. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast, whether you are watching on YouTube right now or if you are listening on your phone to the podcast version, we appreciate you joining us, which by the way, if you are watching on YouTube right now, we are a podcast, so wherever you do listen to podcasts, go ahead and subscribe there, and if you're listening to the episode uh, on as a, a podcast version, we record live every single Saturday. Find us on YouTube, search Sun Solar Panel Podcast. We do do a mailbag section at the end of every show where we take the listener comments from people that are joining us on YouTube, so we'd love to have you there. But I digress. My name is Tim Tompkins. Joining us today, as always, Mr. Greg Esposito. Oh, hoy, hoy. <laughs> Mr. Dave King. Hello there from the bright side. <laughs> so we actually, uh, the episode cut out about three minutes into the intro, and we had to re-record it. It was weird how much deja vu that was. Um, so anyway, guys, I was listening to Brian Windhorse Hoop Collective podcast last night, something we talked about briefly before recording this episode of the Sun Solar Panel. And they were doing this segment where they were basically redrafting the NBA, saying, if I were an NBA franchise GM, this is a player I would want to draft right now. And they went through the top 20. Devin Booker was not in there. Uh, a bit surprising, I think. But there were a couple of players that were in there that I do want to get your opinion on. If you would draft them over Devin Booker, if you were starting a franchise from today. The three players listed above Devin Booker. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Ugh. Tatum, and De'Aaron Fox. Would you draft any of those players above Devin Booker today if you were starting an NBA franchise? No. Well, I don't. What's the obsession with Donovan Mitchell over Devin Booker? I just. I, okay, so he's made the playoffs, but he had a much better roster around him. I, I, I don't get the obsession of Donovan Mitchell over Devin Booker. And then. Really, De'Aaron Fox? You're gonna choose De'Aaron Fox over Devin Booker? I, I, I don't see that at all. I don't. I don't even know how you make the argument that you take De'Aaron Fox over Devin Booker at this point. Maybe in the future. Uh, I won't. I won't discredit that there's a possibility. But right now, not a chance in hell that I would take. Uh, I would take De'Aaron Fox over Devin Booker. Look, I can see why. Okay, certainly not Donovan Mitchell because that's a sore sore point for Suns fans. It's also a sore point for Jazz fans. Jazz fans cannot get cannot stop talking about how Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell compare to each other. So it's not just Suns fans that are stressed about this. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, I can kind of see it uh, because De'Aaron Fox is exciting young point guard. People love point guards. People love ball handlers, and he he does a lot of flashy things on the court. So I can I can kind of see them wanting I, I would like to put Booker and Fox in the same top twenty. I just don't know I just don't think Booker should be outside of a top twenty on a redraft um, right now. But I can I can I can see an argument uh, on that. Jason Tatum, there's a lot of love for Jason Tatum, even though he's a mid range uh, master. But so is so is uh, uh, Devin Booker. So Jason Tatum does play some defense. People love that. And he's been in the, in the playoffs and he's been deep in the playoffs his first two years in the NBA. We'd be, you know what, if the tables were turned and Devin Booker had been in the playoffs his first two years and they were, there were some statistically better younger, young players out there, we would want Devin Booker rated above them too. So I just, uh, I, I can see, I just don't, I just don't see it with Donovan Mitchell. You put Booker on the Jazz and the Jazz would have been even better the last couple of years, but we will see this year. We will see this year whether Devin Booker deserves to be in an NBA's top 20 of any kind of um, um, statistic or, or, or ranking like that redraft or top 20 players in the next five years or whatever it is. I mean, I don't mind Tatum. I, I don't mind. I, I can understand that argument. I don't think I'd get uh, too upset over that. I just, 
you look at, I think there will come a point where this swings, right? If the Suns win 35 games this year, they're highly entertaining. Then all of a sudden, everybody nationally is going to be like, look, it clicked for Devin Booker. And we're all going to be like, no, he's the same (laughs) damn guy that he's been, uh, you know, that this whole time you're just finally noticing. And and that's going to be that's going to be the key is once they get over that hump, once they're not the bottom feeders of the NBA and they don't have to be. I don't think they necessarily have to be a playoff team. I think they just have to be good enough for people to take notice that they're not the 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 trash of the NBA like the Kings. Yes, that that then all of a sudden it clicks. I just maybe I haven't watched enough of De'Aaron Fox or maybe it's still because it hurts that uh, Josh Jackson uh, was the Suns' pick over De'Aaron Fox, and then we had to suffer <laughs> through no NBA point guard for years. But uh, maybe maybe Too there's some bias there. No point guard. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some bias there. But I will always stand for Devin Booker because a lot of the criticism against him uh, is, is just unfair outside of the defensive criticism, which we all know. Uh, is fairly true when it comes to Devin Booker. So I feel like we have to have this. We have to step in and defend uh, D-Book every uh, every two weeks or so uh, during this offseason, and I can't wait for basketball to start again so we can stop with this crap. Uh, five weeks, actually. We're about five weeks away from real basketball. Uh, I kind of disagree with you guys. I disagree with you guys a little bit. The only one of those three players I would even consider the argument to is Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I I do not see it with Jason Tatum. I do not see it with Darren Fox. I do think Devin Booker is better than Donovan Mitchell, but there's a lot of things about Donovan Mitchell's game uh, that I can understand why someone would rather have him over. So I I don't agree with it, but that's the one that I would actually have to give pause and think about. Uh, just because Donovan Mitchell on the defensive end does provide a lot more. So, it you know, there's there is a give and take there. Um, but regardless, uh, I just thought it was an absolute travesty that all three of these players were in their top 20 above Devin Booker like that that part just blows my damn mind well and if you if you look at I mean if you listen to us in isolation you're like man these guys hate Donovan Mitchell I really I don't hate Donovan Mitchell's game and I don't I I think I think it just is it gets so annoying to hear the stupid comparison between him and Devin Booker and so many people landing on on the Mitchell side simply because of the playoff uh, uh, portion and Devin Booker uh, takes a, it takes an unfair amount of criticism due to the fact that they could uh, the ineptness of putting a quality roster uh, around him uh, over over his time in the league. Yeah. Now we could wind up being surprised, and now that they have a, a quality roster around him, and if it keeps improving over the next few years, and Devin Booker starts taking steps back, maybe we're all the ones that are wrong. But I highly, highly doubt that having watched the man uh, in person, gotten to know him, I just I don't see this guy being the kind of guy that takes a step back and being only a good stats on a bad team guy. He is far too driven for that and far too motivated. Yeah, I, th- I find it, uh, I just find it interesting um, how much better this Suns roster looks objectively on paper. Um, the, if you just if you just take Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton out of the equation, and you just look at the rest of the team. That roster is just like a, just so much better than any other roster that Devin Booker has ever played on in, in his entire career. I mean, Ricky Rubio is his point guard. Um, having Mikel Bridges and Kelly Oubre at small forward. You've got a backup in Aaron Baines. You've got um, Dario Saric at, at power forward. There's just Tyler Johnson as the first guard off the bench. There's just... There's just a there's the water level, the sea level on the Suns' talent is is so much better than in prior years. I just can't wait to see it. And yeah, if Devin Booker regresses and becomes a guy that um, just uh, just kind of fades into the woodwork, then they were all right. But I really think Devin Booker is just going to look even better on a better team. I, I, I don't have any question in my mind that he's going to look even better on a better team. 
Agreed. And it's going to come down to chemistry, and that's going to be in part on Devin Booker to help build that chemistry as one of the main leaders on this team. And that's something we haven't seen him be able to help accomplish in a locker room, but I think this is really the first time where he has the opportunity to lead a group of men instead of a bunch of boys. So on today's episode, we are continuing our series ranking the Suns' uh, projected starting lineup versus other teams in the West. We uh, completed the backcourt version of this over the last couple of weeks, and today we're moving into forwards, which we are going to do the starting small forward, which we have projected being Kelly Oubre, and the starting power forward projected as Dario Saric. Uh, after this, a part of the series is done, then we're going to move on to uh, DeAndre Ayton um, and then uh, Aaron Baines versus the, the starting center and backup center for the other teams. Um, one thing, though, I do want to say first is that we are actually going to be announcing our Sun Solar Panel Listener Fantasy Basketball League. We're going to go ahead and do that next week. And, of course, everybody that supports the show is going to get first dibs on that. After that, we'll open it up to the public. Um I think I'm going to so, hire a ringer to manage my team this year. I, I, yeah, I think you are trash at fantasy basketball, I, man. Yeah, I, you know, I get to a point where the two-year-old and, and the misses take precedence over updating and trying to find guys off the waiver wire. And I just go, you know what? I'm not going to win this damn thing anyway. So I'm going to you know, well, see if I can outsource thing, it you to a ringer you to run up, your team. How about you just have that ringer have the team and you're not even in it? I'm gonna, No, I'm still going to own the team. I'm going to very much... Uh, <laughs> Uh, try to Robert Sarver this. I've already bought a goat to go crap in my uh, future GM's office, and uh, I'm going to get somebody with NBA front office experience to run this thing. I think. I Here, think that's just the plan. Do, do like the rest of us. Check it at work. That's that's seriously what we do. It's uh, what you guys don't put forth. You don't put forth effort at your jobs. I, I'm uh, my boss has listened to the show before. So uh, Josh, if you're listening. I don't slack off at the office. You've worked the whole time. Yes, no breaks. Every second when I'm in the office. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what we're doing on this is we are going to take their, their counting stats, their offensive counting stats, and uh, some defensive advanced metrics on this. Uh, we're going to be using defensive box plus minus and defensive wind share. Listening as well as just reminding all three of us on the panel right now, um, kind of giving an overview of what defensive box plus minus is. Uh, it does not take into account playing time. It compares averages of what a player should have done in that position. Uh, negative two is a replacement level. Uh, 0.0 is league average. Uh, anything above five basically means that that player is five points better per average 100 possessions than uh, their counterpoint. Uh, defensive win shares, now that is a points allowed per 100 possessions stat, um, and that takes an average defense, divides by the average uh, uh, points allowed um, per win is basically how you get that metric. So those are the two that we're going to be using. What so advanced Kelly, met- oh, hold on, real quick question. What advanced metric takes into account Sarch's uh, mustache? I, I let's go with VORP. <laughs> okay, just wanted to check. I need to know these things. Value uh, th- above replacement mustache. Uh, VORM. Okay. Oh, yep. Let's do this. Uh, the great thing about VORP, though, in, in all seriousness, is it, it does take into account playing time. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't a defensive VORP stat that we can get. Uh, so Kelly Oubre, 17. Okay, I will say for Kelly Oubre, I'm only looking at his, his time with the Suns, and there's going to be a couple players we're going to compare where I only looked at their respective time with that team last year after the trade. Uh, Kelly Oubre, 17 points, five rebounds, 1.5 assists last season's last season. He had a negative 0.8 defensive box plus minus and a positive 0.8 defensive win share. Dario Saric last season with the Wolves, uh, 10.6 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, negative 1.4 defensive box plus minus and a positive 1.2 defensive win share. That point puts the total counting stats for the Suns front court at 41.3 and their defensive advance statistics at negative 0.2. Uh, the first team we're going to compare is the Grizzlies with their projected starting lineup of Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. Kyle Anderson last season, eight points, 5.8 rebounds, three assists. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 14 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Their total counting stats, 36.6, less than the Suns. Their defensive stats, way better, 8.7. Man, but, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is 
like has the potential to be an incredible player. Um, so that kind of that that makes it tough. Obviously, I'd rather have Jaron Jackson Jr. over Dario Saric for sure. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna ask me about the other position, I'd certainly like Kelly Oubre uh, over Kyle Anderson. So, man, that this one's a toss up. But um, t- Jaron Jackson Jr. can do just about everything. He plays incredible. He fouls a ton, and he doesn't rebound very well for a power forward. We'll get we'll say that. But he does. Um, he shoots he shoots the long ball, and he plays uh, really spirited defense all the way across the court um, against any position. So I'd clearly rather have Jaron Jackson Jr. in in the Suns front court than any of the other three players if I had a choice. Uh, I agree here. I think th- that. Just because of the potential of Jaron Jackson Jr., Memphis's front court in, in, in or the forwards here are better than the Suns. That's kind of where where I net out on this. And I think though that it might be closer if you switched out Ubre for Mikael Bridges because then the defensive gap becomes much less here, uh, and and that's where I think the big difference between these these forwards really comes down to so I, I'm going to go with Memphis here but I think if Mikhail Bridges winds up becoming that starter at some point it's closer to a wash for me but uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s uh, potential and what he might be able to do this year based on that talent that he has uh, makes it tough to to make the argument that it should be the Suns. Uh, I kind of disagree with uh, with you guys on that to the extent that uh, talking with uh, people that followed the Wolves closely, Sharic uh, was never really uh, put in uh, a winning position within that system once he was traded over there. Uh, and I do think that him getting the opportunity that he's going to get with the Suns, we're going to see exactly what he can do. And as far as Kyle Anderson versus Kelly Oubre, uh, I'd take Kelly Oubre all day over Kyle Anderson. So I'm actually going to go with the Suns on this one. Uh, Greg, it sounds like you are going with the Wolves. And Dave, what's your what's your vote? You mean the Grizzlies? Yes. <laughs> um, I guess I got to go Grizzlies. All right. Outvoted. <laughs> I, get, uh, I get your point, though, Tim, because we Sharich, it, it probably isn't the best uh, uh, best comparison with what he did in Minnesota. If you're looking probably more at the guy that we saw in Philly with him, it's probably closer to what the Suns are going to get. But you can't make the argument to me that even even if he plays peak, right, is that higher than than the peak that we think Jaron Jackson Jr can reach and I just I don't think it is and and the defensive gap is just going to be too large for me right now to 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 be comfortable to definitively say that the Suns forwards will be better than this group yeah well I mean that's um that's fair I also think that with with the Sixers he was always brought in as a backup and this is really going to be his first opportunity to to start full-time um so I'm excited I think I think he's going to be a really good player all right. Uh, let's go ahead and compare versus the Mavericks. The Mavericks projected starting lineup, which I'm not 100% comfortable that I agree that this is going to be their starting lineup. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at small forward and Kristaps Porzingis. Last season, Tim Hardaway Jr. with uh, from the time that he was actually traded over to the Mavericks, 15.5 points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.9 assists. Porzingis, his uh, last full season that he played anyway, 23 points, 6.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists. Their total counting stats, uh, 51.4, beating the Suns by uh, a good margin. Their defensive stats, they are a negative 0.5, though, um, which puts them right around where where the Suns are. Wow. Well, definitely Tim Hardaway Jr. is the worst of the four, in my opinion. Uh, that's I don't I don't even know that that can be debated, for sure. But then you've, you're you're right back to is Kristaps Porzingis the best of the four? Uh, a healthy one, pretty close to. I mean, a healthy one is a really dynamic, really really good young player. Uh, he can do just about anything he wants to do on the court. He doesn't try real hard on defense, but he was playing on a really bad Knicks team most of his career. Um, you get the same same situation, actually, just more actualized, more proven than the Grizzlies one. So, unfortunately, I got to go with with the Mavericks just because of the Kristaps part. 
I don't know. I mean, Chris Stapps has been injured, has been accused of uh, of certain things uh, in his time in New York. I, I just don't know that you're going to get the same Chris Stapps Porzingis in Dallas. The Mavericks have taken a huge, huge gamble uh, on paying the man without knowing fully if he's going to be healthy and how he's going to play and if, if this is the same guy. If this were two, two years ago, it's a no-brainer. But right now, I think this is a push. Uh, I don't I, obviously Kelly Oubre is much better than Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, and and Sarich, as we talked about, has some potential here as a starter, as is a great passer, as they they mentioned in the in the chat that we didn't mention uh, previously talking about Sarich. So I, and and we don't know what Porzingis is going to do, right? You have no clue how he's going to respond. So right now, I don't I think these are about even when you look at these forwards because they, you know. As as you said, Dave, Hardaway Jr. is the worst of the four. There's no argument uh, to be had about that. And then it's a question mark with Porzingis. So I think Kelly Oubre would, uh, would far outshine Tim Hardaway Jr., this year and then uh, we it, it's a it, it's anybody's guess uh, how how Porzingis plays so I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a push here uh, in, until we see Porzingis proven on the court I don't think you can vote for a push otherwise we can't we can't move forward with the rankings fine I will say I will say the Suns are, are better at this point because we have two known quantities uh, more so than trying to guess and project what Porzingis will do coming off an injury a series right, tiebreaker Tim uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Suns on this one for a little bit of a different reason uh, Porzingis has habitually missed a lot of games and I, I do think your ability to stay on the court uh, provides a lot of value uh, which isn't something that we actually see in, in some of these defensive metrics uh, so I am going to go with the Suns as well though honestly I'm not really that confident that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be their starter. So the Suns forwards, uh, as voted on the show, are better than the Mavericks. We'll take that moving forward because there's a lot of good front courts in the West. As well, um, who do you think is going to be their starter instead of Tim Hardaway, maybe? Uh, just Justin Jackson? Could yeah, maybe. I just, starter. like, he but might even... Just, it just keeps going downhill. Now, if you count Luka Doncic as their small forward... Uh, then obviously, then you've got the Dallas uh, Dallas ahead of them. But if you put Luca at the point guard, which I think we did in the point in the in the guards section, we did. Yep. Okay. Then um, yeah. So I'm, but I'm still I got to lean. I, I still got to lean toward Dallas because Chris Stapps is just a really 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 good player. He was an All Star in his third year on a terrible Knicks team. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If Porzingis is an absolute stud. So, <laughs> again, 100% uh, understand what you're saying. All right, so we're going to be looking at the Kings next. The Kings' projected starting lineup, Harrison Barnes. Last season, 14.3 points, 5.5 rebounds, 1.9 assists. Marvin Bagley, last season, 15.7.6 rebounds, 1 assist. Counting stats. Unfortunately, it does go to the Kings. Uh, their defensive uh, uh, advanced stats add up to 0.2, which is a little bit better than the Suns. Um, I'm going to go with the Suns on this one, though I'm not incredibly confident with that, but uh, I am going to go with the Suns on this one. I do think that Kelly Oubre can provide a bit more than, than Harrison Barnes, though I do actually like Harrison Barnes' game. Um, but I think that Sharich is really the, the difference maker in this. Yeah, I, I I tend to lean in that direction as well, Tim. I think Ubre is better than Barnes, uh, and I'm not 100% sure on Bagley yet. I didn't see enough in in the rookie season to to say yes, this guy is going to to dominate. He is is, is an immense talent at power forward right now to the point where where I would say he's better than most guys, and I think. Just because Sarge is the veteran here uh, and and does a little bit more, I think I lean towards the sun since I can't do a push. I think it's actually a, a pretty even until Bagley uh, proves himself, uh, and then you might give the slight nod to the Kings here, but right now I, I will go with the sun simply because you won't let me say it's a tie. <laughs> uh, you know, this one, it, it seems like we're developing a pattern here. It's the other team has the better individual player in a lot of cases, and the Suns have the two middle, the second and third best players out of four. Um, 
I tell you what, I am, I've never been a Harrison Barnes fan. He can do a little bit of everything, but he's kind of like the Jeff Green of, of, of a slightly, well, he's about the same generation, but slightly younger, um, where he, he, he plays a lot. He gets a lot of minutes. He does a lot of okay stuff, and he makes a lot of money as a, as a result. And this may be, you know, Kelly Oubre's future in the NBA as well. Um, I personally would rather have Kelly Oubre because I like what he brings to a team because of, of what he brought to the Suns. Um, but uh, Marvin Bagley, I'm a big fan of. I think Marvin Bagley is going to turn out to be a really good player. He just doesn't have any kind of offensive game um, uh, if you take him off of his left hand right now. So if it, he does have some challenges on that. If I remember correctly, didn't he dominate Aiden in a couple of matchups? Well, they don't play against each other because Bagley never actually played center and he didn't start. So I don't know about him dominating Aiden. Because they never, they hardly ever actually matched up against each other on the floor. I mean, just because one player didn't start, it wouldn't mean that they wouldn't actually match up against each other. No, he was uh, always I, he was always the second biggest guy on the court, is what I'm saying for the Kings. Kings always played two bigs, and uh, Bagley was almost never, especially in the Suns games, almost never the big that went up against Aiton in any of the possessions. You might be right. It could be uh, remembering wrong. Um, well, I, I I was watching for it. And I, I was watching for it, and Bagley was always uh, more on the wing, 10, 15 feet out, and he wasn't actually the one trying to keep Aiden off the glass. That's all. Okay. So I'm not saying Marvin Bagley wasn't good in a couple of games against Aiden. Um, I could look it up and, and see, but I, I definitely think Aiden had a, um, a bigger impact on games than uh, Marvin Bagley did, but we're not doing that because we're not looking at centers right now. We're looking at Sharich against Bagley, and I'd rather, oh, man, that's kind of a push, isn't it? Because Sharks is going to bring a lot more winning plays, a lot more um, uh, good plays that help a team go toward wins than Bagley will. Bagley is more like the Suns' old kind of prospect that they bring in and has all the talent in the world but doesn't really know how to play winning basketball yet. I mean, we got to remember that, that, um, that Bagley hardly started for the Kings team. And if he had been a major contributor with 30 plus minutes, they might not have been as good because he, he had a lot of flaws in his game last year, just like Suns players had a lot of flaws in their game, their games. And that's why they only won 19. Um, so I, I think I'd probably rather have charge this year than Marvin Bagley, but I could be laughing at myself in two months when Bagley just explodes. I just, I just don't know. Um, but I, I will take the Suns because I like Oubre personally over Barnes. And I think this year, Sharks is going to uh, be a better winning player than Marvin Bagley. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to Suns, too. So that does put the Suns above the Kings, then. Woohoo! Right. Optimism! <laughs> we got one! moving well we have two now all right moving on to the next and this one isn't necessarily in my opinion even close i can read the stats uh the counting stats and the defensive ones if you guys want against the lakers anthony davis and kyle kuzma uh, i don't <laughs> yeah see you don't have to any... read the stats it's okay <laughs> well let me just say that yeah absolutely the lakers are going to take this one because of anthony davis for the same reasons that i that i gave it personally gave it to the 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 mavericks and and the Grizzlies for the better individual player on just a larger, much larger scale. But I I personally would rather have Kelly Oubre than Kyle Kuzma. I can I can see that argument. I, I can understand that. I, I still have my questions about Kelly Oubre. I'm I But I have even more questions about Kyle Kuzma. I, I, I can respect that, but I still I'm not as much on the Oubre bandwagon as everybody else is he was he was nice for the culture and and the chemistry last year but i there's a lot of lot of flaws in that in that game for sure what this comes down to for me is anthony davis's eyebrows versus sarch's mustache and i gotta go with anthony davis's eyebrows uh, or oh, eyebrow, excuse me. Say, it's uh, eyebrow. <laughs> uh, there's not plural. Anthony Davis's eyebrow is a former unibrower myself. Uh, I, I think I have to go with Anthony Davis here. <laughs> I always remember that We're the Millers movie, and there was outtakes at the very end. That guy was a no regrets guy. He's like, hey, eyebrows to the other <laughs> one of the other kids in the in the movie. That makes me. I think of that every time I think of Anthony Davis's eyebrow. Yo, eyebrow. 
I was uh, thought it, I always thought it was a miss with the Pelicans. They should have made their Pelican logo just Anthony Davis's eyebrows because it looks like our eyebrow because it looks like how you drew a bird when you were a kid. So, anyways. <laughs> hey, hey. Speaking of the Lakers, did you guys hear that LeBron James trademarked Taco Tuesday today? What? Yeah. No. Yeah, he started. That's been said for like hundred years. It how? doesn't matter. That's not how that works. He yeah. trademarked it. But who? Why wouldn't somebody else have a trade? If I'm a taco company, how did I not trademark that? LeBron James that's gets what, in that's on that. Literally, look, that's what I thought. Let's digress a little bit. So, um, on this, on that topic, right there. So, Kelly Oubre, have you guys noticed that he has not put out any Valley, Valley Boys merchandise? What? Uh, I haven't really thought about it that hard, but <laughs> I, I guess uh, to your um, point, he has. Um, it's, it's a, it's about first to market where you get right. to actually do the merchandise and you can't, a trademark doesn't even freaking matter. Like, it's not like people can stop saying taco Tuesday now because, um, cause LeBron isn't the first one to actually do it. Yeah. But we have to pay him every time we say it now. I'm do just, we really? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't yeah. freaking know. I don't, I, I yeah. just think it's, I think that's just a, obviously just a little marketing ploy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Well, Kelly yeah, Oubre doesn't have the money to launch a brand. So. Now, now from now on, do we have to say the big day, kind of like the big game instead of Super Bowl? It's so, it. the big day. It's Which, tortillas day filled with meat Tuesday. <laughs> tortillas filled with meat day after Monday. The the Basin Boys. Well, you know where I actually thought that this might matter is is in commercials for like taco shops. <laughs> you know, taco that's a Bell's, little bit different. Taco Bell paying us. LeBron to. So why do you think taco shops never really went for Taco Tuesday? Because they didn't want to take business away from the other days of the week? Uh, taco shops do go for Taco Tuesday, at least in Florida. Really? Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, because you know the, the hotbed of good tacos is Florida. Right. <laughs> I'll take the large uh, beef with meth, please. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would say that, that Florida Mexican food is incredibly subpar. I found a couple of places that are all right, uh, but it, it does not remotely compare with uh, uh, the burrito stands in Arizona. Which, hey, by the way, I should say there's a hurricane coming to Florida. Um, and I know how worried you guys are because yeah. it's been We're a couple really of days. About you, Tim. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I heard it's hitting the Carolinas and not uh, Florida. I will play weatherman here. Uh, it, it, it has diverted course. I read that right before we came on the fine program. You're we'll safe, see. Tim. You're safe. likely working from home so, all week. So the like office has been closed. Water sold out at all the grocery stores down here. It's hard to get gas. It's kind of crazy when a, a hurricane comes. Everybody's evacuating north or, or where uh, uh, west, I should say, depending on like where they're going. Hey, that is your fault for living in America's penis. All right. <laughs> they probably want to talk about basketball. Now let's go ahead and move on to the Clippers. You projected starting lineup for the Clippers forwards: Kawhi Leonard. Last season, 26.6 points, 7.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists. Montrez Harrell, the projected uh, starting power forward, even though he played center last year, 16.6 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists. The counting stats clearly go to the Clippers at 62.3. The defensive stats are actually the best in the West at 10.9. If this is the starting lineup, I I can't find a single argument for the Suns being better, except the fact that Sharich is much better passer than Harrell. If what if what do you think they're going to divert back to the mid two thousands Clippers lineups and that's the only way the Suns would be better here the the other if it would be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard as the forwards and it's even worse at that point like there there is there is no way in any imagination you could take the Suns over the Clippers in it. there's not nothing there's not any argument here to be had yeah I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna weigh in on this one. Charge uh, is passing. Was that not a? Charge yeah, okay. is passing. That's like he's still <laughs> he's still like third out of the list. Kelly Oubre's shoulder shake is so much better than uh, Montrezl Harrell's. <laughs> Kelly Oubre's tat game is what puts them over. The, like we'd have to come up with something non-basketball to do this, and even then, I don't know that we're gonna find it with Kawhi uh, being part of of the front court for the Clippers. Uh, it, it's well, painful. The, but... Tim, who do you have as the starting center then for the Clippers? Zubach. Yeah. 
Um, and if you so, actually look at the, if you look at their depth chart, I, I think that it, it might be accurate uh, that that's what they would have to do. Now they could, to your point, they could slide Kawhi or Paul George down, but then they'd have to probably start Lou Williams at shooting guard, and I think that they want him off the bench. So this likely could actually be the the starting lineup for him. Well, no, I could see them uh, going with Pat Bev and Landry Shamet, Landry Shamet at the guards. Why are we? Why are we even talking about? It does not matter that their forwards get better in that game. Well, no, I know, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's even more of a slam dunk if you catch Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, there, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be a damn good team next season. I do, uh, I do know I'd that much. I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, now the next one is I think it's it's a bit interesting. So we're talking about the Nuggets here. Uh, Will Barton and Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap is you know he's clearly no longer in his prime, and I do think his stats are going to go down a little bit. That's worth taking into account with these. Uh, Will Barton last season 11.5 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists. Paul Millsap 12.6 points, 7.2 rebounds, two assists. Their total counting stats came to 40.8, which the Suns uh, do beat them. Their defensive stats. However, uh, 5.4, a bit of a toss-up for me, but I think I would go with the Suns on this one and that having to do with uh, the natural decline of Paul Millsap. Yeah, I, I agree with you here, Tim. I think the the upside of the Suns forwards is higher than that of Denver here. Uh, if we were looking at in totality of career and, and past, there would be more of an argument with the Denver side. But I think when you look at uh, what where this Suns lineup could potentially go and and what Denver's likely to do, I'm going to go with the Suns. Suns here. It's not a slam dunk. It's not. Uh, it's not something that is, is huge. But I'm going to go with the Suns slightly over Denver. Yeah, and this is in no way suggesting that the Suns are a better team than Denver. But I got to go this way too. At the forwards spots, Denver is not as strong. Um, uh, Paul Millsap, as Tim said, is going to decline. He's already been declining. His points per game went from 18.1 a game in Atlanta two years ago to 14.6 and then 12.6 with Denver. And Denver, he's, he started 65 games this past year. Um, his rebounds are going down. Everything's going down a little bit. He is a really good defensive player. He is a difference maker on the court. He does make Denver a better team. Um, but um, he's 34 years old this coming year. And, and we know that NBA players don't make it. Uh, that far, and if and their and their backup, I mean, who are they going to go with? Hernan Gomez um, instead, if they got to go somewhere else at power forward. Will Barton is is a pretty good player. He was actually 15 five and five, 15 five and four a couple of years ago, um, and I think he was injured a lot of last year, off and on. So he's a pretty good player, but I'd still got I still got to take. I will take the Suns this year. I will take the Suns this year at those two starting positions. Uh, I agree. And I do want to take a minute to uh, thank the people watching on YouTube, listening uh, on the podcast that have chosen to support our show with a monthly donation, whether that be one, five or ten dollars. And I do want to take a minute to thank one of uh, our favorite listeners, Joe Shook. We really do appreciate you. Uh, your continued support means a lot to us. If you guys would like to support the Sun Solar Panel, again, uh, even with a one dollar donation really goes a long way. Just hit the support the show button, which is in the show notes or the description below if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you do the ten dollar option, I'll personally send you some sun swag and I actually got a bunch more like four boxes of this crap which is our stuff it's not crap it's, it's pretty cool it was uh was sent to me and I'd be happy to send it your way hey I got crap I'll send you Joe shook me all night long thank you for uh supporting me the show uh for just one dollar you can support struggling podcast hosts and help them. Oh, don't make this. A, and no, hey, I can I'm, help I'm, them uh, with their glasses fetish and feeding their child. I'm still legitimately paying for Vegas, and I will be for a couple of years. And that's oh, and that's just with the Vegas syphilis. Too. So, <laughs> yeah, right. and, you know, I I actually wish it would have been syphilis because that could have been something I could have just gotten a pill for, and it would have gone away. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> this 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 debt is going to stay with me for a couple of years. It's uh, 
We need a shirt that says that. I wish it was simple as this debt's going to stay with me. All right, Support the show. <laughs> All right. And the last, the last team that we are going to look at for this segment of, uh, of our series is going to be the Timberwolves. And this one is interesting given the midweek that we had uh, a couple of days ago before it got cut off. So the projected starting lineup for the Wolves, Andrew Wiggins and Robert Covington. Uh, Andrew Wiggins last season, 18 points, 4.8 boards, two. 2.5 assists. Robert Covington last season when he was with the Wolves, uh, 14.5 points, 5.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists. The counting stats that do go, the offensive counting stats that do go to the Wolves, however, um, and the defensive stats go to the Wolves as well. Personally, I'm going to go with the Wolves on this one and simply because I love Robert Covington's game that much. Yeah, I think I think they're a little bit more balanced uh, at the forward position here, uh, and I think that uh, I don't know. I go back and forth. This is this is another one that if if you let me say they were even, I, I probably would fall into that camp. But I lean. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go with the Suns because I I agree. I like Covington's game, but. Andrew Wiggins, as we started talking about on Wednesday, uh, is is really you know you want to people want to say Devin Booker is a a good stats on a bad team guy. That is the epitome of what Andrew Wiggins is. I just there's not a lot about his game that makes others better, uh, makes a a winning team. Uh, I think Kelly Oubre uh, is much better at that. We saw what he can do for a group, uh, and I like what Sarge is going to bring here in terms of that passing, that basketball smarts, that winning uh, ability. So you know what? I'm going to go with the Suns here. I'm going to I'm going to make this interesting. I'm not going to agree with with Tim, and I'm going to let Dave be the the deciding vote here. But I'll go with our our hometown boys. Well, as the deciding vote, I'm going to go with the Suns. Uh, I, oh. I, let me tell you. <laughs> Tim, Tim audibly groans. <laughs> Rocco, Robert Covington, is a very good player. However, Dario Sharitz last year on the Wolves started the games. Uh, Rocco was hurt. Robert Covington was hurt a lot, for sure. But I think if you had a choice, if you were a coach, and you, you would move Robert Covington into the small forward position, and then you play somebody else, and – and if you if they had Dario Saric, it would be Saric and Covington, and that would be a clear win on their part. But um, they don't. The Suns have Dario Saric, and Robert Covington is playing a little out of position at power forward, even though he is he is a big guy. We talked about it last week. He's he is six nine and two thirty, so that's a pretty good size for. But he but he's never been a power forward in his life. He is going to have a little bit of a trouble banging. It's almost like saying, would Kelly Oubre be a good power forward? Except. Covington's just a little bit bigger than him, um, but they're just not built for that position. So I think with him playing out of position and then Andrew Wiggins just being a net negative on the court, I just I just really don't like Andrew Wiggins' game. Um, you, I, I, I'm going to give it to the Suns. That's my call. I would say defensively, even if he's playing out of position, that having him on the court, uh, you know, they can switch basically everything, uh, which is not something that you can say with Sharch. But I do think that Sharch's defensive game um, is a bit underrated. I do think he's a much better defensive player than uh, perhaps the advanced statistics show or people's opinion of him show. And I think that he'll show that this season. That being said, uh, Robert, dude, I love Robert Covington, man. Um, but you guys win. You guys win. This is a democracy. And two out of the three, it go. Is. Go to the sun. So to wrap this up, and we're going to get into some mailbag questions. So if you're watching on YouTube right now and you want to leave some, we'll end the episode with that. Uh, we have voted the Suns forwards being better than the Mavericks, the Kings, the Nuggets, and the Wolves. And the Suns forwards being worse than uh, the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Sounds about right. All right. Uh, also, just to recap, we had the Suns backcourt being better than the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Wolves, the Kings, the Spurs, uh, the Thunder and the Nuggets and the Suns backcourt being worse than the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets, Trailblazers and Warriors, putting them, in our opinion, as the seventh best backcourt in the West. So we're, I think we're going to start to have this play out where it looks like the Suns are in the middle of the pack, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we also haven't started looking at the uh, the the best teams in the West as far as front court goes. We're going to sure, do that sure. next. But overall, and then when we get through the centers, I think Greg's right. We're going to end up seeing um, that the homers that we are have the Suns right around the middle of the West. Um, they may not end up middle of the West, but they're certainly not at the bottom. Like a year ago, we would have just been laughing at ourselves trying to do this rankings. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, but of any group of guys we probably are not the the homers out of people to talk about we're the realists in in many yeah. ways here. It's, I, I would, that's one thing no one has ever considered the show being <laughs> uh, if, <laughs> at least if you're looking on like reddit and sun's twitter oh yeah everybody thinks we're super negative but we you know, because a we don't think that they're better than the Clippers in the front court. <laughs> I I legit I legit had a guy tell me last week that I'm not a real Suns fan. And I was like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, we sit here we sit here and do this because uh, we don't like the Suns. We just thought this is the most lucrative NBA podcast you could do is about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean. I, out of all the, the goddamn time and effort that we pull, poured into this team to be told that I'm not actually a fan of it was just, okay, buddy. But let's go ahead and do a listener question. All right, the first one, this is coming from the YouTube chat. Everything horror over under Sharich will be here at the end of the season. Man. Oh. Look, I see, the, I see the ideal trade package. I think everyone's going to like <laughs> – even the national media might pick up on this a little bit, but I see the perfect trade package for the Suns to get in a star power forward uh, mid-year will be Sharich and Tyler Johnson. That that gets you the salary you need, that gets the expiring contracts you need for a team that wants to move on from a guy somewhat like uh, Blake Griffin, for example. I can totally see that happening. I think the Suns would trade Dara Sharich for a better power forward at any point that they possibly can, and they'll use Tyler Johnson's salary to get there. Um, short of that, though, I think Sharich is going to have a really good year because it's a contract year for him. It's very much in his best interest to come into come into the into camp in the best shape of his life. He's not playing five World World Cup, so he's not going to be worn out like he's said in the past. He's been worn out coming into the NBA in his first few years. He's going to be totally ready to go. And the dude is, I think, going to have his best year in the NBA. And the question is, does that translate into the Suns being able to trade him for an even better player? Or does he just stick it out the rest of the year with the Suns and then they decide whether they want to pay him in, in restricted free agency? Um, so to answer the question, will he be here at the end of the year? Um, I think there's no way he gets dumped. I think there's no way he gets waived or moved on to a better team like the Suns have done last couple of years. So if he's not here, then he was traded for a better player. So I'm going to put on my wish list a yes, that he will be gone by the end of the year because the Suns will have a better longer-term power forward. I feel like Kevin Love is sitting in Cleveland being Thanos in this situation saying, I, I'm inevitable. I feel like this they've always kind of done this dance. It's always felt like Kevin Love... Uh, was going to wind up in Phoenix, and it seems inevitable that it would happen probably at the end of his usefulness somehow uh, as well. Uh, and uh, But I think there's a chance that Sarge— God, I hope that doesn't happen. Jesus Christ. For for entertainment value off the court, maybe. He's a, he's a very funny man, but I, I think it would be an albatross of a contract to bring in. But, he's just starting. Uh, yeah, I know. For your contract. It, it's crazy, Sar but I think Sarge could play himself into being the Suns' power forward of the future here. Dave makes a very good point in that it is a contract year, but I think it also could be very much a breakout year for him and make it make it a difficult choice as to whether to flip him for a more established star veteran uh, along with Johnson's contract. That seems like what this is lining up to be in the long run uh, because obviously there is still a, a hole at power forward that you hope Sarge grows into, but it, it's not a given. I think it's probably 50, 50. I don't think there uh, is, is necessarily one way or another that I'm leaning towards yet. I would love to see them have the opportunity to pick up a star utilizing him as a chip in it, but I think it's probably about 50, 50, whether he's here at the end of the end of the season or not. All right, Cody Kid. The next one is from Cody Kid on the YouTube chat. He says, "Other teams are wearing throwback uniforms this upcoming season. Would you guys like the Suns to do the same?" I feel like this is a perfect Greg question. Oh well, have you guys seen 
the Raptors are rocking the old school uh, purple and red Raptor jerseys yep. from the early 90s. I just saw last night that the uh, the Clippers are going to rock the weirdest throwback jersey of anybody. They will be wearing a Buffalo Braves throwback jersey that will actually say Buffalo when they're playing in Los Angeles. So that's a, a unique one. Uh, you look at the Jazz, who are bringing back the Purple Mountains of Majesty that they rocked uh, uh, in the late 90s. There are some spectacular throwbacks coming this year, and the Suns will not be one of those teams. Uh, I can confirm that for you. There's no surprise coming up with any throwbacks uh, for the Suns. Would I love to see it? Yes. I would love to see the Suns wear uh, a throwback jersey. But I'll be honest, this current set has grown on me immensely. The purple uh, uh, you know, jerseys are spectacular in my mind the color purple that they've chosen is great i love the shorts uh even the font is growing on me uh in certain situations so if we were talking about some of the previous uh iterations of uniforms over the last few few years i'd probably be more upset that there isn't a throwback but i feel all right about what they're rocking i'd love to see the 90s uh sunburst obviously make a comeback uh I, we've already seen the original jerseys. We've seen the Western fonts make a comeback a couple times, but we have yet to see the purple sun sunburst uniforms make a comeback, and that is really what I'd like to see if we're going to go with a throwback uniform at any point. Now, we did hear that the <clears throat> last year's city edition is not going to be continued. Uh, that is correct from, uh, from my they, understanding. And if they're not going to do a throwback, have you heard anything that they're going to do instead? Uh, there is a certain color that they used to wear that will be uh, be coming back, is what my NBA sources have have Great. told me. No, no, it's a, a very bright color that you might see behind me, and uh, so uh, orange. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm hearing from uh, from league sources and and some uniform aficionados that, that uh, with with some distributors so that's what i'm hearing so i think uh, that's the color that'll be making a comeback there'll be a few other which, slight things do you know which orange i don't know which orange i, I no, they get some really bad orange no, uniform it's not a throwback orange it's a new style a new style i'm just saying simply the color is making a comeback is what i'm hearing so uh yeah, uh, I, I like where the Suns uniforms are. Uh, I have faith in the group that is selecting their uniforms that moving forward, we're going to see some creative things. And usually what happens uh, in these situations, and I have no info on this, but having looked at the pattern of it is major events, whether it's anniversaries or whatever, or new buildings slash re renovated buildings, is when you try to do something splashy, and the Suns have one of those coming up in terms of a, a renovated building. So uh, I think you might see some some things at that point. I don't know that it'll be throwbacks, but my guess is they'll they'll try to do something special for for the relaunch of the arena. Yeah, I tell you what, man, if they're going to do throwback anything, actually, um, I would pick the throwback uh, intro, the throwback intro music uh, at the beginning of games over any throwback uniforms. Which they've done They've done a few times. They brought that back. I love... But they didn't keep it. I really no, that's true. I, I believe it was 2014. It was that crazy yeah. season that they won. They brought back a remixed version mm -hmm. of it, it which was pretty it was awesome. Like, uh, There's been some bad intros that the Suns have done over the years, but that one... Uh, I think it was How You Like Me Now mixed with with the old school uh, Alan Parsons Project Sirius, which was the intro song back then in the 90s, and it was really cool. So uh, I would love to see that back as well. I think there's, uh, but that's for the nerdy old guys in us. They like to uh, uh, use actually current contemporary songs now, so. Um, Fabio <clears throat> on the YouTube chat, he says, any chance Devin Booker making the all-star game this season? Uh, my opinion is if the Suns are looking at playoff contention, then yes, maybe. 
Oh, even that there's always there's always snubs and there's there's uh, he might be one of those. But if, if the Suns are making playoff contention, that would also mean that they've wildly uh, surpassed expectations coming into the year, uh, which I uh, would have to be on Devin Booker's back, I would think that or DeAndre Aiden's. I just, it's tough. The West is stacked. I just uh, you look at it and uh, they're going to have to really surprise people in the first half of the season. And he's going to have to do. Uh, the statistical things that we've seen him him do, and potentially more. I just I don't know that that with as stacked as the West is, that it's realistic that Devin Booker is going to going to be an All Star. Deserving of it, yes, uh, very likely, uh, as he has been the last few years. But in a popularity contest like that, I don't know that it's going to happen. I totally see him being named as an injury replacement for someone if the Suns are. Um, approaching 500 or anywhere close as to being a surprise team that the statistical modeling has them uh, being somewhat like. So definitely, I don't see him being voted in as an original guy, but if a couple of guys um, are taking the weekend off because they want to nurse injuries or they're trying to get prescribed rest, I think we're going to see more prescribed rest in the NBA this year than in prior years. And and I wouldn't be surprised if they use the All-Star, All-Star weekend to actually take advantage of some of that kind of like guys are using the Fiber World Cup to take advantage of extra rest as well. So I can see some injury replacements coming in this year, and I can definitely see Devin Booker making it. And by God, if Donovan Mitchell makes it ahead of Devin Booker, I think I'll just throw something. Well, what, is, what is the FIBA World Cup, by the way? Isn't it yeah. FIBA? FIBA. FIBA. I just call it FIBA. Everybody uses their FIBA. I thought FIBA. I thought FIBA was the Boston version of Fiverr, where you get cheap things, right? <laughs> no, I hit it with so a FIBA. I got a. I got a podcast uh, intro. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I am Brody on the YouTube chat. He said, is there anyone on the Suns who you could see as winning most improved player this year? Uh, I've kind of given this a little bit of thought. I don't think it could be DeAndre Ayton, even if he is much improved. And that's because statistically, he was actually pretty good last season. Uh, Devin Booker, I don't think there's a lot of room uh, for him statistically to grow. Uh, Kelly Oubre showed a lot last season. I don't think it could be him. Um, if anyone on the team, I think, were to make most improved player, it would be Mikel Bridges. And that's because he was averaging, you know, 12, 13, 14 points a game. And his defense stayed the same. But I don't really see a lot of candidates for most improved player on this roster. No, I, I think Mikhail is probably the... The likely candidate, uh, if Frank Kaminsky all of a sudden decides to play like uh, the ninth pick overall that he was, uh, maybe he'd be a dark horse here. But to your point, there's not a lot of uh, of guys on the roster that that probably have that ability. I'll throw one out. If the Suns are a real surprise and Dario Saric is playing his ass off in a contract year, it's quite possible that he could get some votes for most improving player if he really, really plays well. He does have that capacity, uh, and he's got a good situation on the Suns where he, he'll be playing a lot of minutes because nobody's going to want to see Frank out there um, if we can help it. So in the minutes, he's not getting subbed out for an all-arms lineup of Kelly Oubre and Michael Bridges on, on the front line. Um, I think Charge could have a really good year in, in Phoenix. But you're right, I don't see anyone else really other than Mikel Bridges being in contention for most improved because either the guys are not at that stage of their careers where they're going to dramatically improve or, um, like you said, Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton, I, I just don't think they'll get a most improved because they, they were already really good last year. Right. right hold All on, right, one, one more. We got one more. I can't believe you skipped this this question. And since I'm controlling whether the questions show up on the screen or not, I'm going to call an audible here. Uh, Jeremiah wants to know what's your favorite place to get tacos? <laughs> to get tacos. And Tim, uh, you don't count because you're in Florida, and we already established their tacos are crap. <laughs> I mean that's that's true. I I will say there uh, there's a, a place called Taco Shop here, uh, which is good at two o'clock in the morning, and that's not really saying a lot. <laughs> and I've seen you at two o'clock in the morning. We know your uh, your decision making is uh, impaired at that portion at that point. So uh, in Phoenix, in Phoenix, I go to um, Blanco for tacos because they, mm -hmm. they have a nice little um, size tacos and, and good ingredients and stuff like that. But I'm not really a big taco guy. I'm more of a burrito guy. 
Uh, anyways, I'm going to act like a four-year-old and giggle there. Uh, I, I think uh, Backyard Taco is a fun uh, fun taco place. Uh, if you're in the East Valley, I recommend checking them out. And then uh, Joyride Taco, also a, a good, oh, yeah, a good one uh, uh, as well. Uh, and there, I think there's a couple Valley locations. I know there's one downtown Gilbert. So those are kind of my favorite uh Backyard taco actually used to be a hole in the wall. It actually used to be in somebody's backyard, but they've since expanded to uh, to multiple locations. Uh, and and R.I.P. Waitos in, in Chandler. Uh, that was uh, one of my old favorites, but uh, is no longer in existence. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, so to sum it up, we're going to continue this series next, um, not next episode, not Wednesday's midweek, but uh, next Saturday's episode, the Suns backcourt, or front court, I should say, versus the West. Uh, this episode, we had the Suns forwards being better than the Mavericks, the Kings, the Nuggets, and the Wolves, and being worse than the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Um, if you do want to support the show, you can hit the support the show button, whether you're on YouTube or listening on the podcast. If you want to get a solar panel shirt, we really like those. You can go to sunsshirts.com. Otherwise, we will see you guys again Wednesday at 7 o'clock Arizona time if you want to join us then. Otherwise, every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Arizona time, you can join us on the YouTube as well. Peace.